warm aloha, my friends at Kailua United Methodist Church. It's been 22 years since I stood in the pulpit and I bid you farewell. But I never went very far away. Some of you would see me marching as that 16th president. Some of you would come to the Kailua Historical Society and you would hear our programs as we talked about where this ahupua'a had come from. It's such a joy to be able to stand here. My memory is still pretty good. Uh, I know my wife. She's right down there. We've been married now for 62 years. And we know we have 17 grandchildren and we know where they are, at least for the most part. And we are connected. But as I come here, I am aware of the fact that I connected with this congregation more than 30 years ago. I was associate pastor here from 1995 until 2000. But before that, I began to know different individuals within this congregation. I can't identify all of them. Time wouldn't permit, but I can certainly say I remember going to Conrad's house, Conrad Sukeyama, and listening to his stories. And he was filling me in on early Kailua. And I remember going down below to where the Chuns had lived. You knew her as Ellen Burgess, or you knew her, the sister, as Frida Sukeyama. And I was putting their stories together and trying to see how the whole puzzle came together. I never had a chance to interview your very first pastor and I don't think there are many of you who ever knew him either. Uh, Chimpei Goto, but I knew his daughter, Mary Kosasa. And Mary helped me to understand what the Gotos were doing. You see, they came here from a foreign place, Okinawa. And Chimpei Goto, the first pastor of this church, was known for three Bs. Bible, of course, bicycle, that's the way he got around, and baseball. Actually, he wrote two books about baseball. He never wrote anything about theology or being a pastor, and I just find that so fascinating. But there they were on a five-acre lot 
Right now, it's the Bank of Hawaii, Salvation Army, and the baseball diamond was basically the church. And that's how Conrad got involved. And many others who were coming at that time. I was fascinated to listen to Mary, the daughter of the pastor, as she described for me what a happy reunion it was when finally the father was able to return to the family. I'm talking, of course, about that infamous day when the bombs were beginning to explode. I'm talking about 1941 and how Chimpei, the little guy, shortstop, was standing in the pulpit in his very best suit. And the army came in and took him out. And not until Christmas Day did the family know where he was or how he was getting along. He was held incommunicado on Sand Island because the interrogation was so intense. And finally, after the military felt, okay, this guy is all right, we'll release him. They let him go. He went into Chinatown and the taxi driver recognized him. And he said, I just wanna go home to my family. It was Christmas day. And Mary said, we were all around the table. And dad walked in. She said, of course, that was the best Christmas we ever had. Wow, I say to you, this church has stories. Stories that deserve to be told. Stories that come out of not normal. I brought that little piece of wood, which is up on your beautiful communion table. And you can see in black, it says not, and then normal right beside. This church can identify its crisis moments when things were not normal, not predictable, not comfortable. And I challenge you this morning to be thinking about them. When Pastor Brian invited me to come, I asked him if he had a particular theme that he was following. And he said to me, well, this summer, I'm planning to talk about the Psalms. And I didn't connect it right away. But as I went home, I began thinking about, wow, I've got some things from my workshop that I think blend in right there. And so I began to bring them out. And I came this morning to share them with you. 
Because right in the middle, for example, is something that you probably can't read. It says on the one side, God now. And on the other side, it says, we are never alone. Why did I do that? Because it was so appropriate to the time. And I wanted to be able to capture. And it really is the title to Psalm 46. God is with us. We are never alone. And that truth has trouble sometimes penetrating down to where we really live. I brought with me some things that would have been burned a long time ago in the dump had they been allowed to be taken there. And why? Well, I recognize that these parts of our pews at the church where my wife and I are part of, Christ Church Uniting, these pews were being thrown away. They were broken, they were old, but I looked at the structure of that material and because I'm the frugal guy that I am, I thought I can turn that into something purposeful and useful. And so beginning with this one, some of you will be able to recognize the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And if you come and look at it, you can see I took some care, not only to carve the letters, but also to try to make it into a memorable piece. I took this one. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in time of trouble. And that to me became that special expression from that particular psalm. In Psalm 46, as Sue read for us, I also took this one. And you know this little one-liner, be still and know that I am God. First of all, I took some beautiful koa. I put it on my lathe and I had what I wanted there. And then I cut it right down the middle. 
That's where God lives. Right in the heart of that beautiful grain, right where we know that he is worthy to be able to be represented. And then I took this piece, whoever dwells in the shadow of the Most High shall abide under the shelter of the Almighty. I'm not suggesting that these are the only artistic expressions that might be able to come out. But I am suggesting that for me, at that time, this was part of my self-preservation. It was part of my therapy, my care. And I never thought, oh, what a drudgery. This is too hard. I never thought, I don't know if I have time to do this. I just did it like knee jerk response, like you are involved sometimes too. And then when it's all done, you ask, what have I created here? For me, I never asked, where will I store this? I never asked my wife for permission. I just went ahead and I did it. Why? Because sometimes life is like that. You have to take care of yourself. You have to find strength and inspiration. You've got to have promise for the future. Speaking about promise, I think about where this church is located. I think about what was happening here before, how that the water was flowing all the way from behind Castle Hospital and it was in that channel before the bulldozers ever came and bulldozed it away. There was that heavy stream going over to where the pump station was located. I'm talking about a century ago. I don't expect that you know about that unless maybe You've read the book about Kailua, and there was that pump station a century ago, trying to get this valuable resource over to Waimanalo. And so in this huge pipe above ground, five foot diameter, the water was pumped in there it went all the way down to the highway. It made a left-hand turn and it flowed by gravity feed down to the sugar mill 
in Waimanalo. That sugar mill we know came into existence in 1875. But in 1920, 1925, 1930, the sugar mill was in need of that resource, the water from Kawainui Swamp. And they were pulling it out of there. And as I interviewed people like Ellen and Frida, they could tell me they went to bed every night hearing the pump and they knew what was going on. And although they didn't have a good understanding of the full picture, they were aware this was a special place. I think of all the energy that was going on around Ulupo Heal, not because they were using it anymore, but because the immigrant farmers had come in. And those immigrants were making their crops and they bought their little pickup trucks and they filled it with produce, all kinds of good things from this area. Some were Chinese, some were Japanese, some were Filipinos, even a couple of Koreans came in. And a century ago, they were working hard together to try to make some normalcy out of a difficult situation. I am so grateful this morning to be able to have had those special interviews with people like Ellen and Frida and Conrad and Mary and the list goes on. I can think of others who shared their stories about Kaido with me. There was Jack, there was Harry, there was Ted and Richard and Bob and Tim. There was Shirley. There was Juanita. There was Emma. There was Corabel. There was Yoshi. There was Natalie. And as soon as I mentioned those first names, some of you remember. Thank God for memory. Thank God for connection with the past. Because when you put it all together, you get the picture. It wasn't just an isolated experience. It was something that was alive and passionate and full of future. That's what the book of Psalms is all about. It's our hymn book. It's our prayer book. It gives us the different authors who are able to put down 
their special prayers. This collection, all of these poems are of many different kinds. And as I am familiar with the book of Psalms, like you are, we know that there is such a variety in there. And for the most part, they are not portraits of God or goodness or grace. They are snapshots quickly taken over time, probably distilled in various drafts. For example, what Sue read for us this morning was only 11 verses. And many of those chapters in the Psalms are even shorter than that. It is that treasured book of worship, which all of us Christians have had from the very beginning. I ask you this morning, did you grow up in a family where somebody encouraged you to memorize? Well, I sure did. And it was just my natural bent anyway. Oh yeah, the Gettysburg Address, sure. Oh yeah, Psalm 1. He is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. What a beautiful image. Or Psalm 23, or Psalm 46, or Psalm 91. Pick whatever you want. This is our treasured book of worship. And it's not because it says everything, but it's because it says something. And like an anchor, it holds you. And so it was when I was doing all of these. I would wake up in the night when I was involved with one of these projects. And I would go down and I would think, I think I know how to lay that out in some kind of form, which will be interesting, not only for me, but for others as well. And so I began putting them together. And I make no apology in bringing them. They're part of my dusty workshop. But a dusty workshop is a bit like my life. It's okay. I know how to clean it up. I also know how to make shapes out of it that are useful to myself and to others. I invite you to do the same. I don't care what your medium might be, but I believe that there's an opportunity in there for all of us. 
I think of how I took these pews. These pews were in horizontal form and I turned them into vertical pieces simply because the shape seemed to suggest shelter, protection. I need that right now. And I only was not the one benefiting from it because I am a deacon in our church. I know names of individuals who needed prayers, who needed visits, and I could call them from time to time and say, I'm working on something in your honor right now. And I just want you to know, I breathe the prayer for you this morning. I believe that you can use some of that. And I would give them a clue as to which of those Psalms might be useful. When I think about this church that came into existence in 1956, 57, I think about what was here before and how I had the privilege of walking over your church property with a member of that family. Their name was Koki, K-O-U-K-E. And Roy told me how that before he went into the army, he was working hard with his father and mother. And they had an old mule here and they were growing papayas and they were packing those in to their little truck and taking them across to Chinatown where the population was so heavy and they wanted those papayas. And Roy told me how that those big boulders were out in the parking lot and because they wanted to use that soil as garden, they pushed them over there. I remembered that story. And then after Roy came out of the 442nd, he was able to convince Harold Castle that their family needed a place to go. And so in 1955, they were able to leave their farm right here. And they went up into Monawilly. There's some toughness about the soil where you occupy right now. There's some special connection to these activities which were going on before. And in conclusion, I mentioned just two of them. Right across the street, you and I know that as 
called our farmers. In 1937, that became Kailua Loading Station. And if you go to the back end of that parking lot, you can see it's designed to be a loading station. And there was a different building there. And there was nobody coming to buy the produce that the farmers were bringing in. But there was a pickup truck almost on a daily basis, taking bananas and papayas and vegetables, avocados, whatever, over to Chinatown. So that when the war broke out, there was the opportunity for the farmers to be able to feed this hungry island. And that kept going until finally the population around us was sufficient size to be able to come and give them commercial traffic right here. So Koala Farmers began as Kailua Loading Station. And I throw that out to you because what a title, what an image from the past. Here you are just across the street and you think about that water moving on one side. You think about the people coming in on the other side, which now has regular traffic associated with it. The second thing I want to remind you of is that over here in the Baptist Church property, there was a quarry site, McCandless Quarry. And that stone was being dug out back in the 1920s when roads were beginning to be built in Kailua. So virtually anywhere you go in Kailua today, if you dug down deep enough, the roadbed would have the basalt from this quarry site. If you have ever wondered why there is a drop off between the front and the back, it's because it was quarry and they took away the stone and they used it for building purposes. I suggest to this congregation, there are some lessons in there for us. And I know you will find them. If I, who have been with you for only a short period of time, might be able to identify 
some of these messages, I know you can find them too. And I say to you, I look forward to seeing you again. My wife and I will continue to take good care of each other, still at home, still in our big house, loving each other all the way. So you in this big house, take care of each other, stay upright and love each other as long as breath comes to you. God be with you, my friends. I just love the openness of this sanctuary. I love the beauty of the table. I love the way you've been able to repurpose, restructure, refresh. Keep at it. God bless you.